from Internews and the Heinrich Paul Foundation. Welcome to Privacy is Global. I'm Laura Vidal. This is a podcast we co-produce with advocacy organizations around the world to tell stories about data politics. We explore the work of activists pushing to safeguard our data and also try to understand the implications of current data practices in many different countries. Today, we bring you the second episode of our fiction series. We work together with activist organizations, creative writers, artists, and actors to use fiction and tell stories about how the politics and policies surrounding data impact our current, past, and future societies. If you want to know more about the series, how we worked on it and why, jump back two episodes and listen to our introductory mini-episode. Our previous episode and the first of the series was set in Ecuador. And the word you're tuning in now is called Are You Reading My Thoughts? And it's set in Brazil. This episode was written by Lucia Egaña Rojas and Joana Barón. Hello, welcome to the library, Carolina Maria de Jesus. How can I help you? Yes, please. Could you tell me where I could find the science fiction or fantasy section? I'm looking for a book by Octavia Butler called Kindred. You'll find it in the science fiction section on your left, that aisle. Thank you. Hmm. Isaac Asimov, Isaac Asimov, Isaac Asimov, 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 Asimov. <gasps> Butler! Octavia Butler! Here it is! Sophia is so excited to finally find that book that it slips through her fingers and hits the ground. As the book falls, a yellowish paper drops from the last page and it catches her attention. Sofia picks up the book and shyly opens the paper. This is weird. What is this? Dear Sofia, I hope this letter finds you well. I'm glad you've finally found it. I knew you were going to come here to get this book. It's the only library in Rio de Janeiro that has it. I know you have been waiting to read Kindred for a while, and you've been looking for it for months. Let me explain. I know it must seem very strange to hear this, but I know all this because I'm you. Only I'm 55 years old, and I'm writing to you from the future. Yes. You read it right. I'm writing this letter because I'm worried. I have not been able to sleep well for days. My heart keeps racing. I need to tell you what's happening. Again, I know this is hard to swallow, but I need you to pay attention so you can help changing what's going on here. This is... 
no more, no less, your own destiny. Sophia looks suspiciously around her, trying to find someone who could be spying on her. Everything looks like a candid camera show, but she can't see anyone looking at her. She's alone in the library corridor, so she keeps reading. I hope you are not scared. I have learned that there are moments in which different times intersect and intertwine like the tracks of a highway. Right now, two paths are crossing with one another through the book you have in your hands. This book is a portal, some kind of error in linear time. I'll explain everything later. For now, let me just tell you that this communication is possible thanks to a portal that has been opened through the book. And also thanks to the help of the network of indigenous peoples of the Panamazon region. I know that reading a letter from yourself coming from the future must be one of the strangest things that has happened to you in your entire life. So far, at least. But please, keep reading. I count on the curiosity that has always taken us so far. I'm writing this so you and those around you can be more prepared so you can all try to change the future that's coming to you. Perhaps you will manage to prevent us from getting this far. I've been so worried, so scared. If we do nothing, we will be unprotected and will be threatened. Threatened by a group of men, the men holding power today. Men who want to control all of our actions, our thoughts, our feelings. I don't know when the white coalition of electro brown men for machine freedom, better known as tech brotherhood, started. This is not their public name. It is what they call themselves. They see themselves as a kind of fraternity a secret society. They started several decades ago in a region known as Silicon Valley, a place that exists now in your time. So many things will happen there. The Tech Brotherhood promotes new forms of high-speed communication based in new forms of contact, ways of communication that don't need bodies, telepathic channels of communication. This technology was implemented all over the planet. It was sold as a huge innovation at a very low price. The Tech Brotherhood used it to say that they were solving everyone's problems, but their solutions complicated things further. In fact, it all started like this optimistic, cool, innovative thing. But as they gained more and more power, everything became unsafe, difficult. These telepathic communication channels ended up being used to threaten women, spread lies and hate, 
and also attack anyone who behaved differently from the world vision of the tech brotherhood. And as they imprinted a lot more than technology, they became incredibly rich. Some members of the brotherhood became billionaires and influenced world politics. They even used hyper-realistic holograms that could reproduce their image over many different places at the same time. Sophia, worried and a little scared, looks around again and decides to continue reading the letter in another place. I want to take this book, please. Sure, your loan lasts 15 days. Thank you. Goodbye. This is true. The future sounds like it will be awful. I thought things were going to change into something better. Sophia walks down the hill where the library is located until reaching Tabajinga Square, where she looks for a bench to continue reading the letter. We are in a very complicated situation. I never thought we would become so helpless. Everything happened so quickly. Suddenly, we realized that we were immersed in a sort of transparent society. We had been asking for transparency over the years, yes, even demanding it from governments and businessmen. But transparency ended up coming where it shouldn't have. From one moment to another, we realized that what was becoming transparent was no less than our own thoughts. It is as if our brain was no longer covered with a skull. It feels like ideas are unprotected or become invisible without any kind of control from us. When it all started, we thought telepathy would be something wonderful. We were excited to think of all the possibilities this could bring. But then, we lost the measure of the consequences. It wasn't just the possibility of selectively communicating with whoever we wanted. Something else was happening. You will understand better if I tell you about some of the things that started happening at some point. Things that made me realize something was wrong. Very wrong. I started to worry on Irene's birthday. Yes, Irene from dance class. She will become one of your dearest friends, by the way. I wanted to go to Irene's party but it overlapped a bit with work schedule. So I made up an excuse and said I was sick. I told my boss I needed to stay home and rest. The party was great. Lots of people, delicious food, great music. When I arrived, Irene came to say hello. Hi, Sofia, it's great that you came. Come on, let's take a photo. 
Irene had a camera as thin as paper. You haven't seen it yet. But devices will become almost microscopic. Irene took a wonderful photo. Our skin looked as if made of diamonds. We look great. I will send it to the girls. Irene sent a telepathic message with the photo to encourage more people to come to the party. She said, Look what you're missing. Come over. Two minutes later, I received four messages from my boss. He was furious. He told me he found out I was lying and demanded I should go make up for the sick day on Saturday. That day, I started growing suspicious of telepathy. Luckily, this case of transparency of thoughts was not too serious, but things were not to stay that way. Quite the contrary. A few months later, Theresa, a friend I have met recently, told me something I found really disturbing. Theresa used to work as a freelance in a lot of places. She was always in really interesting, cool projects. She was an artist. She was also well-known among her friends for being very trustworthy. A kind listener, a good friend. I had confined in her a couple of times myself. That week, however, something had happened. We were in a bar and Teresa told me a whole story. Sofia, I need to tell you something. Nina told me she was in love with her brother's girlfriend. Her brother had no clue. It was a big secret. They were going out, like to the movies, and were sending messages to each other, and the messages were getting increasingly romantic. And well, pretty heated. I promised Nina not to tell anyone about her, um, her affair. Since then, sometimes she would update me about the situation, sending excited, but a bit of nervous telepathic message. She in love, but so confused. A few days later, I saw her brother at the office of Interstellar Telepathic Information. I had a gig there working on a couple of illustration projects. And he works there. He's some sort of senior manager. I can't remember what exactly. When we bumped into each other, I couldn't help. But think of what Nina had told me. I felt a bit uneasy, but I smiled and said hi. And my God, his face. He grew so pale. I thought he was going to pass out. Everything happened fast, but it was awful. I didn't know what to do. I suddenly felt that he was reacting to what I was thinking, as if the whole story was written on my face or something. Oh, no. Sounds crazy, but it really felt that was what was going on. As soon as the thought passed my head, I left as quick as I couldn't. I didn't even help him, held him, or offer to get him water, nothing. I just left scared. But the worst part was that Nina called me a couple of days later and furious. She said she was disappointed in me, that she would never trust me again, that she felt betrayed. I felt horrible and I couldn't even tell her I didn't say anything. But well... Theresa's story 
made me even more suspicious. Why did the secret seem to be, as she said, written on her face? How can our thoughts become transparent without saying then out loud? What was going on at the telepathic Instellar Information Office? I thought that telepathy worked only between people who choose to communicate with each other, but apparently telepathy was leaking. That or thoughts could be accessed and accessed without consent. It is sunset in Tabachinho Square. Sofia is visibly concerned with the news she receives from her own self from the future. She takes the book and catches a bus to go home. And she continues reading the letter. I don't mean to confuse you with all of this. If I tell you these stories, it's because I think it's important that you get to understand the dimension of what is happening to us today, to you and the future. After Teresa's story, I remained a bit silent and worried that the same thing that happened to her would happen to me. I isolated myself a bit from social life. I continued to see my friends, but I tried to keep gossip to a minimum. I didn't know who could, in fact, spy on my telepathic thoughts. From that day on, I became more and more cautious. I avoided listening to my friends' secrets as much as I could. My life became more boring, slowly but inevitably. I threw myself into my favorite music, started hearing more from my friends living abroad. I felt their stories were not important where I lived. I thought it was the only way I could avoid putting those around me at risk. I also devoted myself to watching movies. I did it every day. On those nights, I watched movies of all kind. Action, romantic, classic, even erotic sometimes. Then I replayed it then in my head, especially the scenes I liked the most. I went through them, went over the dialogues. Do you remember Blade Runner? I think it was 1985 when I, well, you saw it for the first time. And celluloid. They don't make movies in celluloid anymore, you know? I also replayed Blade Runner often in my head. Had those images, those words. Those colors keep me company in the intimacy of my own thoughts. I must have watched that movie over 500 times. I repeated the voice of the replicant, Roy Batty, all day inside my head while walking down the street at home. It was my main source of joy. Until the day I received a rather threatening message from Warner Bros. Studios. They wrote to me, saying they would charge me with a ridiculous sum if I kept going. 
a fine I could have never paid. I couldn't reply anything in my head, it seems. If I was already apart from much social contact, imagine now that I no longer had my music or my films. It's not that I lived in total isolation. I was still seeing some friends, but I was always trying to have rather neutral conversation, trying to avoid any kind of risk. Sofia walks home, sad. She goes up the stairs of the building, gets her keys and enters her apartment. She quickly collapses on the sofa to continue reading the letter carefully. But then something much worse happened. This time with Anna, our cousin. When Sofia reads her cousin Anna's name, she looks to her side and sees the photo of them on the beach. Sofia, a teenager. Anna, still a toddler. This makes her smile, then worry, and then she reads on. One day, Anna visited me very worried. She was very upset. She came knocking very loud on the door. It was as if she was escaping from something. Sophia, are you alone? Yes, Anna, come in. Are you sure? Yeah. What's up? Oh, Sophie, I have a serious problem. Do you want a glass of water? Sit down. Ah, yes. Thank you. Look, I'm pregnant. Oh, no. And I want to have an abortion. As soon as possible. But I'm scared. People shouldn't know about this. What if this information falls into the hands of the Tech Brotherhood? Sophia, the fact that information in our minds can be easily read is true. Weird things are happening to several friends, especially with medical information, sensitive data. This is so dangerous. We have friends who can be in serious problems. Do you remember Pedra? Yes, I haven't seen her in a while though. What happened? Well, Pedra went to look for a new job. She had been working for the past, what, 10 years? As a vision technology administrator at a hospital. And now she wanted to work at another one, a private one owned by a member of the Tech Brotherhood. So she went for a job interview. And you know Pedra, she's a pro. Her CV was impeccable, she has lots of experience. But they told her at the end of the interview that they would not hire her because she was taking retrovirals. Why does it matter? Or more important. How did they know? So, telepathy systems do go through the Brotherhood networks. I knew it! Yes. I think those in the selection process for Pedra's work were able to read her thoughts. And so, you fear that this pregnancy can be read to? Of course. 
and I can be arrested. I'm so scared. I don't know how to do it or even how to avoid having contact with anyone. Let me think. I think there is a possibility. I have been doing some research and found that there is a group of cyber feminists who handle crypto. Cryptography? Isn't that a bit old? They adapted and updated it. I discovered that these hackers are implementing a kind of cryptography of mind and thought. The name is Crypto Akame. It's a very new technology that is just being developed. It hasn't been used a lot yet, but they are using it. Do you want to try it? Could it be dangerous? I don't think we have much of a choice. In general, there are networks that have already been successful in circumventing the Brotherhood. I've learned that a network of indigenous peoples is working on this type of protection of thought. They have ancestral technologies and they made them into the most advanced. They are working in alliance with a group experimenting with Crypto Akame. Well, Sophie, so let's go look for them. We should try that. I'm so scared and we don't have many options. Sophia looks again at the photo. She goes to the kitchen and gets a glass of water. She's surprised that she's seeing the story of what her own life will be like in the future. And is very confused about what she can do with all this information. These stories I'm telling you are what made me realize that we were in fact in a very complicated time. A time of surveillance. What happened with Anna was what finally made us react. We went to a meeting with the collective that was experimenting with Crypto Akame. To cross the city, we disguised ourselves as men and used special makeup to avoid being recognizable. We did not take any type of transport. We walked. Arriving there, we were surprised. Crypto Akame had managed to create a space where it was not possible to use telepathy as a form of communication. The meeting room was like a closed metal box, dark on the outside and quite bright on the inside. Anna asked them why the walls were made of so many metal wires. Someone in the assembly told us that metal grids lined up in this way blocked telepathic signals. The walls were porous, like very fine grids that let in light and air. They were huge textile pieces of metal. It was very calm inside, and we felt we could relax. Finally, as soon as we entered, people we smiled at us, they offered us tea, they were friendly. They had a soft and calm conversation. We felt safe enough to take the costumes off. This letter that you are reading now 
I wrote it by hand from a space similar to that of Cryptoacam Assembly, a box that I built in the basement of my house so I could be sure that no one would be able to access my thoughts. This form of communication is capable of circumventing the telepathic control of thought. The tech brotherhood telepathy requires some sort of electronic intermediary, so whatever I write by hand inside of these boxes stays private. Having this communication space with you makes me feel safer, because I can transmit strategies that will help you change your future and my present. I would like to share as faithfully as I can with you what I learned at the assembly. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for coming. Dear friends, it is very important that you take into account the strategies that have allowed us to survive a little more safely. Crypto Akame, as you know, is the center of our tactics and main technological development. It has the objective of creating barriers and restricting the visibility of our thoughts so that only the people with whom we are speaking telepathically have the necessary keys to hear us. That's not always possible, however. So today I want to share with you other tactics to at least reduce the possibility of being spied on. The first strategy is a form of meditation. Less mental overthinking. Thinking better, safer. Let's try to minimize reflections of our particular identities because information about ourselves is also information about those around us. The second strategy, on the contrary, is hiding behind notes. In the middle of a concert, it's difficult for our thoughts to be audible because there's a lot of people thinking as well. And so, there are so many thoughts around that we can hardly distinguish between one or the other. We can also make noise with our own thoughts, make different ideas coexist in our heads. That way you can make it difficult to distinguish between what is true and what is not. If we create several pieces of information that are contradictory to each other, it will be very difficult to know what we're really thinking. The third is trying to have different identities in the different spaces we inhabit. Something similar to having multiple personalities. These strategies have been compiled by Crypto Akame to protect us. Let's use them. Let's take care of ourselves and take care of each other. Let's continue this resistance. We are using all these strategies to get organized, 
and try to develop an alternative infrastructure for telepathic communication. We have called it RAGE, the resistant and autonomous great engine. With this infrastructure, we will be able to escape, even if only for a few moments, this totalitarian control exercised by tech brotherhood. Sophia, my dear past self, pay attention when the concept of telepathy with electronic mediation appears, because despite being a very powerful and useful tool for many things, it will become a way of controlling our thoughts, bodies and habits. Telepathy has been co-opted by the Tech Brotherhood to collect data on everything we think and do. Your help is important. You can contribute by developing and using other technologies, join other collectives to curb the power of the Tech Brotherhood. But beware. Members of the Tech Brotherhood are also part of the government or exchange our information with them. Here are some clues that will help you to recognize everything I am describing from its early start. They call telepathy the Internet. And the Tech Brotherhood is the secret name of what will be publicly known as GEFAN an acronym for corporate names Google, Apple, Facebook, Amazon, and Microsoft. Big companies dedicated to privatizing communication and hypnotizing people with unhealthy telepathies. I advise you not to look too much at what they call social networks. Surely, in 1990, these names won't mean much to you, but remember them well. When you hear them in the future, you will recognize them. Today is February 10th, 2025. I will leave this between the pages of a book by Octavia Butler, available at the Carolina Maria de Jesus Library in the city of Rio de Janeiro, where you live. Please, do something. Start organizing yourself. Keep this information safe. You can do so much. You are still on time. Much love, Sofia. Hope you have enjoyed the show today. If you want to learn more about what Sofia, Sofia from the future that is, meant by organizing and paying attention, explore the work of coding rights and the ways we can be more aware of the effects of technology. This episode was written by Lucia Ganhas Rojas and me, Joana Varon. Vanessa Coates, Elie Guedes, Laura Vidal and me, gave their voices to Teresa, Ana, Irene, 
the librarian, and the leader of the assembly of Crypto Akame. Maria Claudia Franchi gave life to our Sofia. Jimmy Garver is our sound design and mix engineer. Elena Cassis, the production assistant and problem solver extraordinaire. And Charles Antoine made the music. Laura Vidal and Laura Schwartz Anderson are the executive producers. Privacy is Global is a project made with support of Internews and Heinrich Ball Foundation. Thank you very much for listening. <laughs>